Well, good morning. Boy, that was so disappointing. You want to do over? We'll try later. So there was a, a couple that had been married a long time, about 30 years, and uh, they were, at least in her mind, having some marital problems. She finally persuaded her husband to go see a counselor with her, and they got in there, and the counselor looked at them. He said, would, after some small talk, said, would you tell me why you're here? And the husband goes, I have no idea. The counselor thought, well, this isn't going to go well. Looked at the wife. He said, could you help us? She said, sure. She said, it just seems like the love has gone out of our marriage. And the husband scratched his head, and he looked at her before the counselor could say anything. He says, I, sweetheart, I don't understand that. He said, I go to work every day. I bring home my paycheck. He said, I, when the kids were at home, I helped around the house with the kids. I, I take care of the place. He said, I, I, I take you on dates. He said, what? I don't get it. And she said, well, you, you never tell me you love me. He said, well, I do. She said, well, but you don't tell me. He said, look, the day I married you, I told you I loved you. If anything changes, I'll let you know. Now, just for the record, husbands, that doesn't work. Communication might not matter to you a lot, but it matters a great deal to her. And that's true in most areas of our life, isn't it? At work, if you have a dysfunctional communication system, very exasperating. People, people don't get the information they need. You, you're not able to do the job you're supposed to do because you don't get the, you don't get the communication. He's talking to you. Parents and children, you know, are at each other's throats because nobody's talking to, the parents aren't talking to the kids and the kids aren't talking to the parents. And marriage, of course, this is a, an issue if there's not conversation flow going back and forth. This is also an issue. For the gospel of Jesus Christ. If the silence is deafening and the world does not know, does not hear from the children of the living God that there is a, a glorious hope found in Jesus Christ. As Paul says in Romans 10, how will they believe if they do not hear? Now we have to, we have to rub up against a truism in the contemporary American church. And that is that we would like, at least some of us as believers would like if we could simply reduce our evangelism to doing nice things. And to be honest, there are a couple of scriptures that we can pluck out and say, well, this, this, this validates my argument. First Peter chapter two, verse 12 says this, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. And then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. So th there's a clear path there. Your, your behavior has the potential to influence your neighbor toward Christ. Jesus himself, <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus himself said something about this. Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, verse 16 
In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. In other words, the, the, the idea that we maybe some of us would like to embrace is that if I just help out my neighbor, he's moving to another house and I help load up the truck and we cart everything over and unload and after all, moving, moving's, in my opinion, one of the worst curses in life. And so surely they would love that and they would, they would see my good deeds and glorify my Father in heaven. Or if I know someone up the street who's got laid off back in May because of COVID and unemployment's run out and they haven't been able to find something else, I, I'd go and help them. James says, you know, don't just say be warm and well-fed to your neighbor's need. Go help them out. If I, but if I do that... Isn't that good enough, Keith? Well, don't ask me. Ask him. The real question is whether or not, not whether it's good enough for you or for one of your brothers or sisters in Christ or, or the pastor. The question is whether that's what God has asked of you. Whether that's what God's calling you to and saying that's enough. And you can let the evangelism go to the professionals. Turn in your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, beginning of verse 18. The Apostle Paul says, and all of this is a gift from God. Let me just stop and say, what is all of this? If we'd have started back in verse 16, we'd know that. He's talking about pre-Christian perspective on God and on other people and post-Christian perspective on God and other people. We looked at people one way before we came to know Christ and, and we looked at God one way before we came to know Christ and now that's, that's all changed. Old life is gone, new life has come and we think differently about God and about people than we ever did before. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to himself. Read that with me. And God has given us this task of reconciling. This is your do-over. Want to try it again? <laughs> and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God's making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Two declarations that Paul makes in this passage. The first one is that we have been made the king's subjects by his gospel. We have been made the king's subjects by his gospel. Verse 18. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. He didn't bring us back to himself by getting us starting to go to church again after we hadn't gone to church for 15 years. He didn't bring us back to himself by, by getting us to be nicer to our neighbors or, or being obedient to our parents. 
He didn't bring us back to himself by being good or stop being bad. He brought us back to himself through Christ, period. End of story. And so the king's subjects are not just people who live in his kingdom. They are the people who have been redeemed by Christ. They are former sinners. I don't mean by that that they've stopped sinning, but the penalty of sin no longer held against them. The power of sin has been gutted by the Holy Spirit living within them. Who are the subjects? Well, if you know Christ, you are the subject. You're a former sinner. One problem to be solved, which is sin, and one solution to be offered, which is Jesus. I, I, you probably hear me beat this drum over and over to say that salvation is about one thing. It's about solving our sin problem. You say, well, it it should make us more faithful husbands and wives. It, it should make us more godly dads and moms. And, and it should make us better neighbors to live beside. It should make us more generous. All of those things are true. But those things are the results of salvation. Not, not, not the, the innards of salvation. The salvation problem is sin. And the salvation solution is to be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. And it's so important that we get that because if we don't make that clear in our evangelism, we're going to breed deficient disciples. And worse, if we don't get that clear in our own souls, we're going to be, we're going to be conveying a damaged message, one that ultimately can't save. If you run out of gas and back roads some night and uh, you're like, what do I do now? Well, you'll probably call somebody on the phone, but just, it's an illustration. And in your back seat, you have some Lego pieces that your son left there. You can't get them out, put them in your gas tank, and expect to go anywhere, right? It's because you have the wrong, the wrong solution. Uh, if you see a picnic up ahead, and you go up to them, and, and, and you say, can I have some of your guacamole to put in my gas tank because I'm out of gas? No, it's not going to work. We have to get the problem right so we get the solution right. We have to have the solution right so that we don't get confused about what the essential problem is. Made king's subjects by the gospel. This is important for us to understand because if you want to embrace the call of God for yourself, you have to understand that this is not a request. Can I say that again? You have to understand that this is not a request. We have been appointed, the king's ambassadors by his graces, second declaration Paul makes in here. We have been appointed, the king's ambassadors by his grace. Let me just make a disclaimer here. There are people who are gifted at evangelism that make the rest of us who aren't feel like like we're disobedient based on their um, itinerary, you have, they might say, you should speak to somebody every day about Jesus or you should speak to every person you meet about Jesus or you have to speak to someone at least once a week about Jesus. I, I don't think we see that picture in scripture. So the issue is not how many times you talk to about Jesus, people about Jesus, but whether or not you are, as Paul, or Peter says, 1 Peter 3.15, are you ready to give an account for the reason, the hope, the hope that you have? Are you ready? Are you prepared? Are you equipped? As we're going to deal with in a few minutes. 
Are you ready? Are, are you eager to tell people about Jesus as God opens the door for you? But you are, and I am, appointed ambassador by God's grace, the king's ambassador by his grace. Who are believers? Well, we're not just nice people. We're not just um, diligent workers, uh, employees. We're not just nice husbands and nice wives. We are God's ambassadors. Verse 18 again, he has appointed us for this task. What task? Task of reconciling people to him. And at verse 19, by the way, if, if, if that's all we had, it would feel like, it could feel like such a burdensome duty. And then Paul gets to verse 19. Look what he says. And he has give, he gave us this, what kind of message? What, what kind of message? Uh, in your Bible. Thank you. Wonderful. He's given us this wonderful message of reconciliation. It's not a bad thing. Now, somebody that you talk with about Jesus might not embrace it. They might reject you. They might say, yeah, I've heard all about religion. I'm not interested. But the message is still wonderful regardless of the receptivity of the person that we're sharing it with. It's a wonderful, it's a life-giving, life-saving message. Wonderful message. In, fa in fact, it's interesting. If you have a more um, literal translation. It doesn't just say gave like the NLT does here. And he gave us this wonderful message. It says he entrusted us. He entrusted us with this message. In other words, he looked at you and he didn't see your inexperience. He didn't see your foot dragging. He didn't see your fear. He didn't see any of that. He says, I trust you. You can do this. I've given you all that you need to be able to pull this off. You have my Holy Spirit. You have the word of God. Uh, you have the context, contacts. You can do this. I trust you to do it. I don't have any plan B. There's no backup plan. You're it. I'm it. We're it. What a, what a privilege to be called to reunite people with God who made them, the God who made them. We're going to try to reunite God and his creation. Despite the fact that we have no experience, despite the fact that we have no skill. There was an article in the UK Guardian back in May, uh, critical of President Trump because he has appointed ambassadors around the world, uh, many of whom have no diplomatic experience. And the criticism was that these ambassadorships were being given to people who were either friends of Donald Trump or um, financial supporters of his. And if that's the case, you know, it's a fair charge. It's cronyism. But God's been doing that for 2,000 years. He's been tapping people with no experience and no necessary skill. And, and really... No reason to believe that we're going to be capable of this, except by the fact that he has put his spirit in us. In other words, as, as Paul says, that we're Christ's ambassadors. God's making his appeal through us. We're not just speaking by ourselves. God's making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. This tasking us 
people who really have no skill set to speak of, is the way God wanted it. He has chosen to appoint us despite all that we lack. And isn't that how God has been doing his work from time immemorial? I, I mean, how many people have, have, has God called and they said, I, I can't do that? Remember Moses? But I have this excuse. Well, how about this? Well, but I have this excuse for that. Well, how about this? I have this excuse for that. Fine. I'll get your brother Aaron to speak for you. And you, you think about Jonah. I'm not going as a missionary to Nineveh. I, no, absolutely not. Shepherds. He, he plucked shepherds out and he made them kings and he made them prophets. And, and, and from the days of the initial launch of the gospel, God has been picking people like, like you and like me to be his children. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, sorry, chapter 1, verse 26, remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. And this is important for us to remind ourselves the Bible says that God calls us before we say yes to him. Which, if true, should just blow the doors of our worship wide open. It's one of the things that I thank God for more than anything else in my life. It's like, me? I, I, why? God looked at you. And he saw your limited list of skills and your limited list of influence, of people that you influence, and your limited list of resources, and he still picked you. Few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God deliberately chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. In other words, this was a strategic decision. He purposefully picked us. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and he used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. Listen, if God would have chosen the kings and the rich people and the smart people and the influential people to be his followers... People would say, oh, this is, the, this is the faith of the elite. This is the religion of the elite, elite. But he chose people like us. And why did he do that? Verse 29, as a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. None of this kind of thing. A few months after we started Keystone Church, there was, a, there was an older couple that was attending and um, in the early days of the church, the first few years, I would go out to visit everybody that started attending after several weeks. And, and I went to this couple's home one night, and I, I kind of came uh, with a little bit of trepidation. I had heard things about uh, this guy. Some were really good, and some were not so good. And I kind of realized how things are going to go. The first five minutes I was in his house. Uh, he went into a back room. He came out with three books that he wanted me to read. 
Now, that's never a good sign for a pastor. This usually sounds like there's an agenda. Another 15 minutes had gone by. He pulled out his wallet, and he pulled out a, a piece of card stock that went like this. It was folded up like an accordion, and by the time he had it opened, it was about this long. And on that, he had a list of 143 people that he had led to Jesus Christ. And I thought, why do I need to know that? As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. What's Paul say? Not I, but Christ. It's not, it's not me. It's the God that works in me. And the same is true when we talk to people about Jesus. Not I, but Christ. The reason that we can have confidence that God's going to use us is because it's Christ in us, the hope of glory that's speaking out through us. It's not I, but Christ. And because... We've experienced God's new, good news, and because we are empowered by the good news, success awaits us as God's ambassadors. I, I can't stress that enough. Let me just say this. What does success look like? If you think that success means that when you talk to somebody about Jesus, they become an instant convert, if you think that's success, that's not biblical success. Success is when your words have impact. It might be that they say yes to Jesus at that moment. It might be that that's one of many seeds that gets planted over a series of years. And you'll never know about it, perhaps until you get to glory. I, I don't know if we know those kinds of things when we get to heaven or not. Might. But, but if it's... If it's all about the salvation of the individual and the glory of God so that none of us can boast, what does it matter? Success doesn't mean instant conversion. And for that matter, success doesn't even mean that, he, that this person is eventually converted, that they eventually become a, a disciple of Jesus. In fact, Paul says that sometimes his words, when he speaks to people, sometimes his words are are the fragrance, the aroma of Christ, and other times they are the stench of death. In other words, God may use your words as judgment upon people as well. Now we have a special treat this morning. I'm going to have our friends Ellen and B.J. Miller come up here. And they're going to talk to you about how you can just give you a practical way of how you can tell some people about Jesus. And uh, by the way, the, the technique that they're using is in a book that is available, one per family, out on the, in the lobby or downstairs in the mask uh, required room, turning everyday conversations into gospel conversations. Now, Ellen and BJ were at Seed Week in uh, New York City a number of years ago with a team from Keystone. And uh, in the morning, they would get taught how to hit the streets and talk to people about Jesus. And then they do that in the afternoon. And uh, by the grace of God, they brought that back to Keystone, and we've, a number of you have been going out with them, uh, different forays out to Lancaster City or Park City. And uh, I hope that this will be an encouragement to you, a very practical way of how to go about telling people about Jesus. Thanks, guys.
Thank you, Pastor Keith. Good morning, church. My name is Ellen. This is my husband, BJ. And I just want to set the stage by saying that we are not professionals by any means. And as Pastor Keith mentioned, we did go to Seed Week, um, which was a week-long evangelism um, trip two years ago. And since then, God has just been working on our hearts in terms of reminding us that we are ambassadors for Christ. And we are not burdened with a message, we are entrusted with a message. And so our hope today is to equip you with something to say. And this can be something to say to a stranger, but it can also be something to say to someone that you already know. So I think that covers everybody. Um, but we hope to encourage your hearts because what I have found is that the more I try to share the gospel with others, the more I'm preaching it to my own heart. And so I'm going to share with you a tool called the three circles. And this tool is not a script. It's not something that you have to memorize or have a certain way, but it is a way to organize your thoughts. And the essential elements are just the three circles. So I'm going to share that with you now. Um, when we approach someone, if it's a stranger, we'll normally start with prayer. Hey, is there anything that I can pray for you about? And Often, if they allow you to pray, they will share some sort of concern or struggle. That's a great way to pivot to the hope of the gospel. Likewise, in someone um, you know's life, they will, if you're having a conversation with them, they'll often share a struggle. And if the conversation goes there, you can quickly say, you know, thanks for sharing that. I've experienced a lot of hope um, from this story. Can I share it with you? So this is the three circles probably don't have to convince you that the world we live in is a pretty broken place. We can see that when we're turning on the news. We can see it when we scroll through Instagram. We can see it with our political climate and the coronavirus. But we also see it in broken relationships. And if we're honest, we feel brokenness inside of us. However, we know that God did not design the world to be broken. God had a perfect design. He created the world to be a place of love where we had a perfect relationship with him. There was a direct connection between us and God, nothing in between. But as humans, all of us in one way or another have decided that we want to be in charge of our own lives. We want to go our own way. And when we depart from God's design, that's a thing called sin. Sin is when we go our own way instead of God's way. Sin looks like a lot of things. It might be lying, stealing, cheating, but essentially it's when we turn and put ourselves in charge. And sin leads to brokenness. And brokenness ultimately leads to death, and this is not good news. And so since we've gone our own way, we also try to fix this problem in our own way as well. Some of us look to drugs and alcohol to numb our pain. Some of us try to earn a lot of money and buy happiness or find a relationship to make us feel less lonely. Some of us even just turn to religion and try to be really good people. But all of these things are from the world and they don't solve the problem of the world. They lead us right back into brokenness. And so God, in his love, sent a solution. 
God's son Jesus became a man and came into the world to live the life that we were designed to live but could never do on our own. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And so not only did he live a perfect life, but Jesus died the death that we deserve to die. But he didn't just die. Three days later, he rose again. And he defeated death once and for all and conquered sin. So what that did was it created a way out of brokenness. If we turn from going our own way and put our trust in Jesus Christ as the king of our lives, he will restore our relationship that we were designed to have with the Father. He will help us pursue the design that God has for our lives. This doesn't mean that everything is perfect all of a sudden. We're still living in a broken world, but it does mean that God's spirit lives inside of us He is walking alongside of us in the ups and downs of life. And when we take our last breath, we get to spend eternity with him. Now, part of pursuing God's design is realizing that we are his ambassadors and that he calls us to go into the brokenness that we see around us and tell others about the hope that we have in him. So I want you to be honest with me now. If you were looking at this diagram and you had to put yourself in the picture, where do you think you find yourself right now? Would you say that you are trapped in brokenness or would you say that you're being restored to a relationship with God? And based upon the person's answer, you'll quickly see whether or not they're interested in having a spiritual conversation. So this tool is a filter. God is always at work. But we want to see if the person you're talking to has a soft heart and maybe would like to learn more about God's story or maybe just have a further conversation with you. So we want to do a little role play with you right now to show you what it might look like in a real life situation. chance uh well actually me and my wife were walking around here we're seeing if we can pray with people oh just give me a second here boss it's, it's real odd i mean uh, my wife does this sometimes i don't know what's going on isn't it on right now Sometimes strange guys come up and do this too. I mean, <laughs> it's okay. Sorry. Hey? No? All right. Good this deal. Is really weird. I know. Sorry, man. Hope it's not going to be this weird for the rest of our conversation. <laughs> Testing. Oh, there we go. Okay. Hey, man. So. Me and my wife were actually just walking around um, the community here. We're seeing if we could pray for people. Can we pray for you in any way? I don't know. It's a little weird. Can we get a green mic? Would that work? Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, what, do, what do you want to pray about? Really, anything that's uh, 
on your mind? Um, anything happen in your life that we could just take to God? <clears throat> I don't know. I guess I guess all this Corona stuff. This is kind of yeah. messed up. You know. Yeah. Has it affected your family at all? Um. Yeah. Yeah. My grandma's sick. Is she? Wow. Yeah. I don't know. I, it, it just seems like the world's all divided right now, and it's kind of bumming everybody out. No, I hear you. Yeah, it definitely is. That that's kind of the state of uh, brokenness that we're kind of in right now. Well, what what's your name? Uh, Dave. Dave. Hey, yeah. my name's BJ. This is my wife Ellen. Let's just pray for you right now, okay? All right. All right. Hey, Father God, uh, we thank you for letting us run into Dave here, and Lord, he's voiced problems that he sees in the world. Lord, there's brokenness from all kinds of things, um, from COVID. And so even just the political divide, things within his family, pray, Father, that you would, you would be working in his life, Lord, that you would show yourself powerful. And you would show yourself powerful even in his grandmother's life. Lord, as he, um, he tries to love her, would you give her, him opportunities to do that? And I pray, Father, that you would, you would just be restoring relationships relationships even in his life, Lord, with friends and stuff over all this as well. And we, we thank you that we got to run into him, Lord, and we, we lift these things up in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, yeah, brother. thanks, man. Yeah, hey, b- before you go, I mean, you shared some stuff with us, um, and you know, we're in the midst of this coronavirus too. Can I just share a story with you, man, that changed my life? All right. Yeah? Yeah, yeah all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just draw it out here, okay? So, um, man, you voiced in a lot of ways that the world you see around you is characterized by brokenness in a lot of ways, right? Yeah. And so everything that you just said, coronavirus, the stuff that is dividing our nation, but, but you probably sense that in some ways there's brokenness even inside yourself. You, you might have experienced that at some point. What we know when we see um, in the scriptures that God, he designed the world. Whoops, can't see. <laughs> he designed the world um, with a perfect design, one in which we would know um, the love of our creator. Uh, we were, I mean, and, and you can see that in uh, maybe a sunset or, or even it, probably you've learned in a science class that there's complexity in our bodies. All these things points to God's design. Um, but we also see this brokenness. And so the Bible tells us that, ooh, the Bible tells us that um, when we depart from God's design, um, we sin. And so sin, it leads to brokenness, and brokenness ultimately leads um, to death. And that death will separate us from God. Hmm. Um, now, the good news is that God did something for us. He actually sent his son into this world to live a perfect life. And not only did he live a perfect life, at the end of his life, he chose to go to a cross. And you've probably seen that before. It's this, this Roman um, torture device. But he went to that cross to take the sins of the world upon himself. Um, he died, but he didn't stay dead. After three days, he rose from the grave, showing that he could defeat death, but he also defeated sin. because he Is that like the Easter life. thing? Yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, when he rose from the grave, you know, we celebrate that at Easter. That, that, that's what we call it. Um, and this is, this is the gospel, okay? That, that's just, it's a word that we use in church. It means good news. But Dave, this is only good news if we believe it. See, we try to get out of brokenness ourselves, right? 
We might try to pursue a career where we have lots of money and think that that would somehow solve this problem, this, or problem with brokenness um, if we just have enough material things. We also might try to find someone um, to spend our life with thinking that that loneliness we feel, it'll, it'll be solved by just having that person in our life. But we also might just try and numb things. Um, uh, sex, alcohol, drugs. Like we, we might pour ourselves into those things because we don't know how to fix this. And we think that that will just be a temporary solution. But none of this stuff really gets us out of brokenness. It's just a part of this world. Sorry, guys. It's just a part of this world. And so it's like a bungee cord. Just we realize we're still trapped in it. But that's where the gospel comes in. Because Jesus, when he defeated sin and death... He entered into this brokenness and was broken for us. And so he offers a way out. Now, what needs to happen, Dave, is just you see what he did and you turn from your sin. And not only that, but you trust that what Jesus accomplished was enough for that salvation. Right? Because he, um, we, we see in the scriptures that if he did that, we come to a realization in our minds. And the Bible uses this word repent. You know, it means to have a change of mind, which, which ultimately dictates a change in direction in our lives. And so when we put our faith in Christ, we're not only restored. Whoops. But we also get to pursue God's design. Okay? So when Jesus, um, when we put our faith in Christ, he restores this relationship we were meant to have. And we're now able to pursue God's design. And part of that, Dave, is that he also calls us to go. To go into this broken world and tell others about him. Now, this is where I need you to be honest with me, okay? If you look at your life right now, do you think that you're still trying to live in brokenness? Or do you think you've been restored to God's design by putting your faith in Christ? Where would you be at? Mm. Well... I try to be a good person, you know, I try to do good things, but, yeah, you know, there's, there, I definitely see brokenness going on. In your life? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, it's honest, man, thank you. Um, overall, you know, we see that the only way to get to God through this is that we turn to the only one who's been able to, to be good enough for us. So we're, Who's we're, that? That's Jesus. That, that's why this word gospel is there. It's good news because when you look at your life and you realize, I can't fix this on my own, you have someone you can turn to who not only do you turn to, but he also walks alongside you. That restore and pursue part, he, he, the Bible says that he has every hair on your head numbered. He's with you in life's ups and downs. So, so Dave, I mean, you, you, said you, um, you said you might be in this broken world. Is there anything that would prevent you from turning to Jesus and, and putting your faith in him? I don't know, man. I probably, probably need to hear a little more about it or yeah. something. I don't know. It awesome. sounds interesting. Yeah. yeah. That's, man, that, that, yeah, I'm, I'm so glad that you, you can see that. Uh, would you be willing to maybe set something up? I don't know what you're headed to do. It looks like you're going to skateboard. Um, maybe we could grab, uh, <clears throat> grab some dinner later or even tomorrow. Uh, we could meet up and talk a little bit more about, about who Jesus is. Would you be interested in that? Um. Maybe you write your number yeah. down, and I'll call you maybe. Absolutely, man. I'm going to write this down right here, okay? And I'll shoot you a text. We can, we can just connect. All right. All right. Dave, man, thank you. It was great to meet you. Yeah, yeah. Nice All to right. meet you guys.
All right. All right, there we go. Okay, so um, that was just an example of what it would be like to interact with someone. Now, the first time that I did that, drawing something on a, on a piece of paper was in New York City. And I had practiced that two times. The first time, I didn't even draw any circles. And the second time, I basically told the guy my testimony. Um, and I started drawing but was really nervous. Um, so that should be good news for all of you because, you know, we were just walking up to strangers. You have the opportunity to talk with your friends and family. Um, and really... <laughs> You see in the scriptures that when Jesus interacted with people, um, in many cases, he would go and he would talk, or he would tell them to go back and tell people in their towns. Um, so Ellen and I, we have been trying to uh, do some of this stuff in Lancaster City. Um, we've been trying to walk and, and, and talk to people and, and see if we experience brokenness and then tell them about Christ. Um, but what we hope to do right now is to just encourage you guys to practice so I've sat in these pews for years, and I've sat alongside a lot of you. Um, we want to just encourage you today to not just hear this, but to go home and practice. Kids, maybe with your uh, parents, parents, maybe with your kids, maybe with your spouse. Um, if you're single at home, maybe go and uh, practice this by yourself. Go and share it with someone or um, practice it with a roommate. But I'm sure that you guys also know from other things in life that the, the way to get stronger at something is to actually get reps in. Um, and so maybe you like golf. I mean, I'm sure you've probably practiced hitting a golf ball many times on a driving range to get better at that. Um, Ellen and I have practiced doing this um, in the comfort of our home just drawing it out to try and get a feel for, for what we could actually say when we're with someone. Um, but th that practice is only going to strengthen that muscle you need to be able to do this. Uh, and so we would encourage you today, not three days from now, but this afternoon, you're gonna, you have the opportunity to get a book out there. Just pick one of those up. Um, there's an explanation of this in that book too. That could even give you some more ideas. Um, We'd like you to also, and I think Keith might challenge you in this, but to share this with someone this week. Once you get those reps, a great way to put it into practice is to actually share it with someone. Now, this tool is simple enough that I've shared it with people at work after I maybe sold them a gallon of paint or um, talked to them about a chainsaw and had the opportunity to do this. But that opportunity came because we've also been praying that God would give us those opportunities. And so another thing we hope to just point out is that this whole process is not because Ellen and I are somehow amazing at this. We just went to New York and were impressed by what the, the Bible had to say, and so we thought we need to keep doing this. So we asked God for those opportunities. Um, without him, we can't do anything. Uh, so if that's not enough for you and you're really excited about this, we want to invite you to also um, come in a few weeks, December 27th. It's the Sunday after Christmas. We are going to do a little more training um, and then go out and hit the streets. So December 27th, over in the worship or the youth center, we're going to meet in the cellar. We'll have lunch. 
we'll do some prayer, we'll train a little bit, and then we'll go out. It'll be from 12.15 to 5. 12.15 to 5 on December 27th. Uh, Kind of the last thing we wanted to leave you with is this quote. Um, a gentleman named Nick Ripkin wrote a book, and it, he was polling Christians all over the world who were in persecution. And one of the observations he pulled from his time uh, studying with all these people was, the only witness God can't use is no witness. Okay? I don't know if that, the only witness that God can't use is no witness. And so what that means is, even if you guys mess up, even if like me, when you draw this for the first time, you make the heart look crazy and you try to write the word brokenness and you can't spell it. <laughs> yeah, there's an old man from Belarus and he didn't know who I, who I was or anything. But the only witness God can't use is no witness. So even in those times, if you mess up, he can still use it. So speak up. I want to thank Ellen and BJ for their teaching today. Thanks, guys. So, this, again, there's a copy of this book out there, one for each family. They're, they're free. Help yourself. Um, this, is, this comes out of this whole uh, uh, three circles um, approach. comes out of a church in Florida. And um, they're very intentional about disciple-making. And they have their discipler, uh, the disciples have their disciples texting them whenever they share the gospel. And I thought I'd read a couple of them. Uh, they have a bunch in here in the kind of the cartoon quote thing. And uh, to give you an example of what might be discouraging as well as what might be encouraging and to realize that both are going to be um, your probably going to be your experience. I finally worked up the nerve to share the gospel with my dad, whom I've been praying for, but I didn't get the response I hoped for. Another one. Shared those three circles with my neighbor at the pool. He shut me down pretty good. Then here's some others that are more encouraging. I just left my oncologist, so I figured I would give you guys the update. I'm showing advances that surpass our knowledge. I told her the other medicine I take is called a daily dose of Jesus. She asked what I meant, so I shared the three circles with her and exchanged cell phone numbers with her. If you know about doctors, they never give out their personal cell phone numbers. She was very open and receptive. Let's pray. Here's another one. We purchased a minivan today. Got to share the gospel using three circles with the owner, who was an atheist, Russian, Jewish orphan who grew up in communism. While drawing up, he shared this while he was drawing up the paperwork. Uh, the man stopped me, invited his whole staff and another customer to come and listen. He didn't believe, but he wants to continue the conversation. Again, it's not whether or not the person's going to say yes. It's whether or not we're going to be obedient to take the opportunities that uh, God affords us. I was, uh, I was in the Orlando airport on Monday afternoon, and uh, Betty and I were just getting ready to fly back from, uh, from our week's vacation down there. And uh, Betty said, um, do you want to sit by the window this time? On the way down, she had sat by the window, and I sat in the middle. And I said, sure, it'd be great. And I thought, I've been praying about opportunities to talk to people in the plane. And on the way down, the woman that sat next to me sat down, had her head turned away from me, hadn't barely gotten into the seat before she pulled out a, 
headset, pulled them over her ears, and I thought, she didn't want to talk. And so I thought, well, maybe God will give me the opportunity on the way home. So as I was thinking about that, had been praying about that, I changed my mind. I said, no, I want to sit in the middle seat. You, you sit by the, the window. I didn't explain why. So we get on the airplane, and uh, we're in the last zone. We're pretty close to the front. And it's Betty and I and nobody. And people get on, and I can tell they're not looking at that seat, and they keep going back or over to the other side, and pretty soon the doors close. And I'm like, there's nobody next to me. And I'm like, I've been praying about this opportunity to talk to somebody about Jesus. And by the time we got in the air, I'm a little miffed. And I said, uh, huh, God, I guess you don't think I can handle this. I guess you don't think I'm up to this. And uh, about 10 minutes later, 15 minutes later, I sensed God saying, you're, you're mistaken. This isn't about you. Just be happy that I decided to let you finish out your vacation. Without having that, you can just think about your wife for these final two and a half hours. This was, after all, an anniversary trip. And it was, re it was a reminder to me, I, again, of a verse that I uh, shared earlier, First, Tim, uh, First Peter 3.15. Always be ready. That's the key. Always be ready for us to give a reason for the hope that we have. And it, it might not be the person that you think. Um, God might not guide you to the person that you think he has you to speak. You know, think about a Acts, in the book of Acts, when God told Philip, Holy Spirit told Philip, go over and stand by that chariot. There was probably plenty of other chariots around, plenty of other people around, but he said, go, I, have that, I have that person for you to talk to. And, and that's the sovereign work of God. We're, we're not here to replace God. We're here to be his voice speak speak for your king speak for your king the one who gave his son to save you father thank you for that calling on our lives it's scary to talk to people about jesus for some of us more so than others perhaps but probably for most of us to some degree it's scary we're afraid that they might turn against us. We're afraid they'll blow us off. They're afraid they'll think ill of us. They're afraid we think we're old-fashioned. But these are the words of life. Could mean the difference between life and death for someone. Amen.